The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The waiter comes by and just keeps topping off your glass. Well, I can't allow that to happen anymore. I had no idea how much I had drank. And that is how people get in trouble. I mean, unless you're counting cocktails, right? And then you know, okay, wait, I've had three whatever your limit is or whatever the point at which you know you're drunk. But when someone is just like topping off your glass, you don't know. I did not know until the next morning I woke up and I just had that sinking feeling like, oh, oh no, it was like coming back to me. And I sent an apology the next morning. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Shaleen Show. Is there anything worse than when you get on the phone with one of your parents and it's like one medical nightmare after another or they're telling you about the physical ailments of everyone in their friend circle? I promise this episode, despite the title, is not going to be that. You're going to get a kick out of some of these stories because the craziest things always happen to me in these situations and this week was no different. So we're going to talk about colonoscopies, pap smears, mammograms, but I promise I'm going to put a funny spin on all of it. We're going to talk about being recognized in the most awkward and uncomfortable of environments and the fallout of me drinking too much and having to apologize the next morning, as well as a big change, a major change that's coming to the show. All right, let's get to it. Okay, so I go in for my mammogram and they tell me, oh, so what doctor are you seeing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting a mammogram. And they're like, oh, we have to see the doctor first. I'm like, okay. P.S. I have already prepared my speech to humbly accept my cancellation letter for what I'm about to say. But this is what everybody thinks. So I'm just going to say it. It's so weird that certain places are a thousand percent masks, like masks in place, because I understand some people are immunocompromised. So then our masks are forever thing. When you go to any dentist or doctor or any medical establishment, are we just always going to wear masks? I don't know. I'm just so confused because there now all of this research and information out there that like the masks actually made things worse. I don't know. We're not going to go there. All right, back to the mammogram. So I'm like, oh, oh okay. They're like, yeah, you've got to see the doctor first. So fill out this screening question, the same one that you've filled out the last time that you were here. And why can't you just click a button that says everything's the same? I'm the same age. My date of birth is the same. Like, why can't that happen? Then of course, they've got to take your weight, your blood pressure, all that stuff. I might add, I don't weigh myself. So the only time I ever get weighed is when I go to the doctor. And by the way, you know that you don't have to be weighed I mean, they don't have to. You can say, I decline. You can also turn your back if you want. But so I got undressed as you do. You take off every item of clothing that might even weigh an ounce to get on the scale. And I'm proud to say I was two pounds heavier 
than I was when I filmed most of my fitness videos. And I don't care. The only reason why I'm saying that is because to think about how much more time I have and happiness in my life, I just always assumed that if I ever got off the hamster wheel of constant cardio and just all the things I was doing, I remember thinking I won't be doing this when I'm 50 something. So I'm sure I'll be so much heavier. And it's just crazy to me that like, I work out like about 15 hours less per week and I like my body better and I'm two pounds heavier. Now I think I'm like maybe seven or eight, probably eight pounds heavier than I was during the series that you guys have heard me talk a lot about where they, whatever, I got super unhealthy. Anyways, I digress. So she takes my weight and then she sits down to take my blood pressure. Every single time they put a cuff on my arm to take my blood pressure, I become David Blaine and I start breathing as slowly as possible. I don't know why, but it's just this weird thing. Do you do that? So you think it's going to like improve your score or something? Brett's across the room. I know you can't hear him, but he said, you just think it's going to improve your score. I really do, but I don't know why I just every single time, like, well, who cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like it's going to change whether you have high blood pressure or low blood pressure. I just always try to manipulate it. So anyways, she asked me her questions and she says, go ahead and get undressed, you know, and the doctor will be in in just a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. And I'm like, oh, you know, I probably have to do a pap smear. And I'm thinking about it going like, wait a second, I'm not prepared for a pap smear. And I know you know what I'm talking about. It's like someone knocking at your door And you've just been living your life. It's your mother-in-law knocking at your door and you just have been living your life. You need to tidy up. You need to make sure the place smells good. You need to make sure there are no dishes in the sink. You know what I'm saying? Like you kind of need to make sure everything is present. You need a little bit of notice. So anyways, then the doctor walks in and he's this older man. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Like when I say older, I don't know. He's like probably in his late 50s. The thing I need to focus on, it was a man, and I don't go to a male OBGYN, and God bless you if you are one, and God bless you if you're married to one, but I just, especially with everything that I've been through recently, I'm not going to a male OBGYN unless I know him, I've done a background check on him, I have properly vetted him through the ways in which I now know how to. Anyway, so he walks in and all these things are rushing through my head. I'm like, wait, then I remembered, I think it was Dr. Kelly Casperson. I don't remember who it was that I had on the show that said, you don't have to do a mammogram or you don't have to do a pap smear every year. And I knew I had done one the year before. So I'm like, I'm going to pull that card. So anyways, he sits down. He's very nice and he's very funny. He was cracking up and I, I was going there with him. So we're having this great banter. And he says, so are we doing a pap smear? Which I was kind of happy that he said, he kind of asked if we were doing one. I said, I don't think I need to. I mean, I did one last year. Is it required? And he's like, no, absolutely not. You don't do it. I'm like, all right, good. Well, then let's not. And he's like, yeah, you don't have any history that would make me think you need to. And so, yeah, no, if you're good, I'm good. I'm like, I'm good. And so we kind of like high-fived and he left. And then he basically walked me over to another tech who then got me ready for the mammogram which you all need to do the mammogram. And I know there's that thermal version. I forget what it's called. And I feel like I did my research on it. And every single time I go do a mammogram, I'm like, dang it, I forgot whether that's better than doing a regular mammogram. 
I forget. So I know you're yelling right now because you do know, but for next year, I'll figure it out. Okay, so now I'm going through the same process again. I'm filling all the same paperwork out again to do my mammogram. And the gal was like really nice, but it's such an awkward thing to do. Do you even know what it's like, honey? No. Having a mammogram, he does not know. So I don't have breasts. I know you don't have breasts. I guess, yeah, it's, they don't do mammograms for men. So what they do is you get completely undressed from the waist up and you walk up to this machine. I'm not sure what it's called, but it's got like a little, like a, a shelf, basically, a clear shelf. And they tell you to put your boob out on the shelf. And then the tech like, like lowers this shelf that's above the shelf that your breast is resting on. And then she gets in there and she kind of like helps you get it up onto the clear, whatever you call it, shelf, I guess. That's what I'm calling it. Listen, I don't know the proper terminology for any of this stuff. Just work with me. Okay. And so it's got your boob up there on this like clear shelf. And then she pushes the other top shelf down on top of it and literally smushes your boob. Now, if you have implants, which I do, then what they do is they just kind of lightly compress them. I mean, it's very light compression. And then they say, you know, you're standing there basically naked. They just have like one arm stays in your gown and then your other breast is on the shelf and you put your arm like up in the air and then she'll say, okay, now hold your breath. And then she takes a couple of shots and then she says, and breathe. Now here's the the part where I wish I did have some David Blaine skills. I used to be able to swim multiple laps back and forth in the pool, underwater, holding my breath. But for the love of God, if somebody tells me to hold my breath now, I forget how to do it. And it was probably all of not even like 15 seconds, but I feel like I'm gasping for air. Like I feel like I'm going to die. Like breathe. Just It's not that big of a deal. It's a couple of seconds. So she takes her pictures and she takes every angle of your breast and then she does the other side, every angle of your breast. And then are you done? No, you are not done if you have implants. Because then if you have implants, what they do is they like squeeze all of the breast tissue away from your implant. So if you don't have implants, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But like like right now, I'm squeezing my boob. I can't really feel the implant at all. I just feel my breast tissue. And by the way, I had pretty large breasts before they got deflated having babies. So there's still a lot of breast tissue there and I have much smaller implants now. Anyway, so they squeeze your excess tissue away from the implant and then they go through the whole thing again, which has got to look really weird. I don't know. All I know is as a woman, now it's not a light compression. Now they're squeezing those two shelves together like they're trying to make a quesadilla. And so you are looking down at this squished, flat, pancake, breast tissue quesadilla. I mean, it's like a pancake. And it just looks really weird. And they have you go in all these like different positions, right? It's a little bit awkward, but if a good technician doesn't make it awkward at all. I don't find it that awkward. But can I tell you what is awkward? I'll tell you. When you're standing there like that, and it's just the two of you in the room, and somebody barges in the door because she thinks she's supposed to go in there for her appointment. So this woman walks in, she's also in a medical gown, and she's like, she looks at my breast between these two sheets of plastic squished out like a quesadilla, and she's like, 
oh my god oh my god and she's like kind of like flailing her arms and she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm like well it's okay but the technician was like behind her little partition taking the picture i'm like it's fine it's fine but leave leave and she's just like trying to explain herself no just close the door ma'am and leave because i'm not supposed to be breathing like what are you doing and she's just staring at me right and then whatever we finished and the technician was just horrified she's just like absolutely she's like i am so sorry i cannot believe this happened i am just oh my god are you okay i'm so so sorry i'm like it was fine it was just another woman it's like not that big of a deal it's like it's okay it wasn't you know what i mean so then i know you know what i'm about to tell you now i leave the technician space and i'm walking into the room where that woman's sitting and she's like i'm so embarrassed Shaleen. i'm like oh she knows my name. She's like, I I listened to your podcast. Oh my gosh. So shout out. I did not ask her name because then I was very embarrassed. So if you happen to be the gal <laughs> who I met at the, what's it called? The Women's Center of Mission Viejo, whatever. I seriously, it was fine. It was no big deal. I don't blame you at all. That seems like something I would do. And I don't fault you at all for freaking out. It was a little bit awkward, but anyways. Okay. So that's that day. Then the next, I have to prepare for my colon. Are you, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry if this is TMI and you're like, Shalene, we really don't want to hear about your medical procedures, but you need to get these. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of levity because everyone needs to do this. You need to get a regular mammogram. If you're not of age, at least now you know what to expect. And ultimately anyone over the age of 40, 45 should be getting a colonoscopy. Ideally 40 because it is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So again, we flew in here back to California on Saturday night. Sunday, I'm supposed to be beginning my prep for the colonoscopy on Tuesday. And by beginning the prep, basically what they just suggest is like two days before, so that would be Sunday. Sunday, I'm supposed to be eating a basically anything that's soft. No chicken or steak, eggs, anything mushy and soft. Okay, great. So I'm going with a completely mushy diet on Sunday, but there's like, I'm not eating a lot because they're just, it was hard to find mushy food, especially when we're staying in a hotel. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't eat a lot on Sunday. Then on Monday, which is the day of my mammogram, it's just supposed to be clear liquids. Again, I'm in a hotel. So what do you do for clear liquids that have some nutrients in it, right? So there's no brothy soup I can get at the hotel. You can't go through a drive-thru and say, do you have any broth? So you're really limited to like water and tea. You're not supposed to have coffee with cream in or anything like that. So I really have not had any nutrients to speak of on Monday, but I want them. So I'm like, where can I get like bone broth or some kind of a soup or just something that's brothy or something that's got some calories in it for the love? I'll have a sports drink, like anything, anything but I need some nutrients. And my day just keeps getting away from me. I'm getting hungrier and hungrier. So I finally get some bone broth in me and finally like a couple of sports drinks and I need to start taking these pills. That's a whole new thing. Like you've been hearing or worried about doing this colonoscopy prep because maybe you know your mom or your dad or somebody who had to do it and they had to drink this like god awful, horrible, chemical, gross stuff. And you just have to chug it down. It's like a gallon's worth of it. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you can ask for, I think it's called Sirtab or something. Sirtab. I'll look it up. But you just take these pills. And I guess the only reason why you wouldn't be able to do that is if for some reason you 
can't swallow pills. So they give you two little jars of pills and each little jar has 12 pills in it and they give you very specific instructions. So you've got 12 or 16 ounces of water and 12 pills and you need to take all of them within a matter of 15 minutes. Once you're done taking the pills, within like 30 minutes, you need to drink another 16 ounces. And then you just prepare for the party, if you know what I mean. Now, I've taken laxatives before, not a lot, but a few times, and it was god-awful. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a very important message about smelling your body odor. So the other day, true story, Michaela and I are working out the gym and she goes, do you smell that? I'm like, what? What? And she goes, is that you or is that me? I'm like, what? What? And she goes, well, I don't know. Is it you or is it me? I'm like, well, better not be me. And she goes, no, I don't think it's you. But just the fact that she said that made me so freaking self-conscious. Listen, I shower Hello, but our workouts are very early in the morning. And listen, sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like my husband showers three times a day. I ain't got time for that. And I don't want to get in water that many times per day. I get cold. And around about that time, I saw this hysterical ad. You've probably seen it for Lumi deodorant. But it's a really funny ad with this girl who talks about how you can put the deodorant um, pretty much everywhere. And I thought to myself, you couldn't pay me enough to film that ad. But listen, if they want to be a show sponsor, I'm all about it because this solves a problem for me. So sure enough, I tried it. I'm in my bathroom right now and I am looking at my Lumi deodorant stick, which I have in Peony Rose. Okay, so here's the thing. Work with me for a second. This was developed by an OBGYN who knew a lot of women are concerned, you know, we want to smell good, but you also know it's not healthy to be putting a lot of things or chemicals, etc., on your lady parts or even on your skin. I mean, your skin is a whole organ. So she created a deodorant that you could put on any part of your body. You can put it anywhere. It's perfectly safe. It's perfectly natural. And like, let's think about it. Your underarms are not the only place where odor comes from. Let's just leave it at that. Now, if you're like me, I couldn't imagine using the same stick for multiple places. <laughs> so you definitely want to check out their starter kit. I highly recommend it. I'm a big fan of the Peony Rose, but I like to get two different scents so that I know that one color is for the body and one color is for the underarm. That's just me. They've got a really cool way you can kind of customize your starter kit, and I highly recommend it. Listen, they have over 150,000 five-star reviews. So I'm pretty confident you're going to love it. Oh, and I know you're going to love 40% off, which you get when you get your starter pack by going to Lumi Deodorant. I'm going to spell it L-U-M-E deodorant.com and use Coach Lean. Don't forget to use Coach Lean because that's what gives you the big discount. I mean, a 40% discount is huge and you don't want to be the smelly kid. no. You want to smell amazing naked. You want to smell amazing when you wear your clothes. You just basically want to smell amazing, but you don't want to expose your body to unnecessary chemicals, antibiotics, things that just aren't good for us overall. So check out Lumi. Again, it's lumideodorant.com and use code Shaleen for 40% off. Now I've taken laxatives before, not a lot, but a few times, and it was God awful.
oh my God, I've got a story to tell you about one time. So I would find that when I get really nervous or anxious about doing, especially a fitness appearance, not so much videos, but like an appearance, especially when we had to travel. So you know how your digestion is like completely off when you're traveling. And I can't remember who it was, but someone had told me like, oh, what you do is you just take a laxative the night before you land or whatever, like after you fly or if you can take it so that you can get to a toilet or whatever within like eight hours. I'm like, all right. So I did this once and we were on a fitness cruise for Beachbody. And I'd never done this before, did not know what to expect, but I woke up in the morning with severe cramps, the kind of cramps where you are bargaining with Jesus himself. You are telling God, I will do whatever it takes. Take my life if you need to. Just please let me die in peace. Let this pain end. That kind of cramp, right? So I'm just dying and we're in this tiny little teeny tiny cabin. Like this is back in the day when they were like, oh, well, you're on the boat. So this teeny tiny cabin, like you can barely even like turn your shoulder in the shower. And so it's got a teeny tiny little toilet. And I am so, so sick, so sick. Literally, I feel like I'm going to die. And I've got about an hour to pull myself together because I'm supposed to be standing on the stage in front of like all these beach body coaches, all these fitness people who are there to see Shalene Johnson. And this is like back in the day when it's like just, I think it was like me and Shanti. I think that was probably it. Oh, and Tony. And so I'm just in excruciating pain and I know I've got to go out on the stage and I'm like, okay, all right. You know, how, you guys know what I'm talking about where it's just like, you're so afraid to leave the toilet. And I've got to put on a pair of leggings and go jump up and down and do air jacks and punch and kick. Yeah, I know. And so I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So I get up on that stage and I'm just about, actually, I'm just about to step on the stage. I've got my girls there who are going to do like backup for me. I'm like strapping on my microphone. I need to leave. I need to run. And I literally like threw the mic down and just took off sprinting. Now, when you take off sprinting and you're in a group of several hundred women who are there for fitness and you haven't said anything because I don't have time, I'm trying to run and squeeze my butt cheeks together at the same time. And I also don't know where there's like a public bathroom because there's no way I'm going to make it back down to our cabin. I can't remember who I grabbed. I grabbed one of my girls and was like, find me a bath. Oh my God, quick, now find me a bathroom, find me a bathroom. And we just took off sprinting. Someone found me a bathroom, but also I had like 30 people following. Like, cause they, they thought like, well, this is like the warm up. Like we're jogging around the deck of the boat or something. Literally. So embarrassing. Okay. So anyways, back to colonoscopy prep. So now I've taken the pills and I stayed at Michaela's house. Brett stayed up here in LA. So I stayed at Michaela's house that night and, and you know, she knows the deal. So basically I'm sitting in her living room, oh, maybe five steps away from her bathroom because I don't know what's going to happen next. But I would say probably an hour and a half later, within about 30 minutes, I was like, ew, I don't feel good. But not in a crampy way, just in a like, ugh, do I have the flu? Like that kind of way. Just a little stomach ache, just a little off. And then within probably another half hour, we are power washing a driveway. <laughs> we are doing a spring cleaning of the colon to the maximum. But the good news is, 
there was no cramping. It wasn't painful. I mean, listen, I'm lactose intolerant. That's a much worse experience than this. I thought this was no big deal at all. I mean, again, it was like we are washing things down. We are clearing things up and not with a soap and sponge. We are clearing things up with like a power washing from the inside out. We are just making sure everything is super tidy. That's what we're doing. But because there really wasn't much in me, because again, just circumstances I didn't have for like two days, there was like not much going in. And I think that was a good plan. I mean, it wasn't a plan. I think it's good that it worked out that way, which you have to do this every 10 years. Maybe things will be better or different then. But if you've got to do one relatively soon, if it were me, if I were to do this all over again, in hindsight, I would probably prepare myself to fast. So I would do a keto diet for about a week. And then I would slowly start to taper down. And I would stay keto. And then for the day before, it would be super easy to just fast. It'd be so easy. Just do a little bit of bone broth, maybe. That'd be super easy. And that, that just makes the whole process a lot easier. So anyways, I did all that. It lasted maybe two hours. And then I was able to go to sleep. Fine. Slept through the night. Again, no big deal. Scale of one to 10. 10 being horrific. I would give it a three, maybe even a two and a half. But then the next morning, the instructions were to take the other little bottle of 12 pills and repeat the process. So I'm like, oh, man. So you know what I did? I only took half of them. Because I knew, I'm like, I'm already empty. So I only took half the pills. And I went through the process again. It all sped up a little faster. But now I'm so dehydrated, I could sip from a puddle in the streets of Detroit, Michigan. Like I was so thirsty. And there's something about people, someone telling you you can't eat or drink or take a deep breath that just makes you feel like you're panicking, like you're dying. I was dying of thirst, right? So of course, everything clear. I'm drinking as much water as possible. I, what else did I have that morning? Oh, I had a Zevia. Have you ever had Zevia? Ooh, that root beer Zevia, get in my belly. It is so delicioso. It's sugar-free. So I had that. First, I did my little cleanse. Then I'm just like super thirsty and I'm drinking my water and I'm driving over to my appointment and I get there for my appointment. Oh, another story. So when I walk in, I check in and the gal at the front, she's like, what's your name? I said, Shaleen Johnson, blah, blah, blah. I've got a mask on. And this girl like pops her head around the corner. I hope she's listening. I forgot her name. Shoot, I asked it too. And she goes, Shaleen Johnson. And I said, yeah. She goes, oh, I just want to thank you. I know who you are. I've been following the story. I listened to the podcast. I just want to thank you on behalf of the medical community of Orange County because what you have done with that doctor And I said, oh, wow, well, thank you. And I said, it wasn't specifically about him. My experience was, but it's about like just exposing what people need to know about their rights and the medical community. So I'm going on and she goes, no, listen, we all knew. We all know, we all knew about him. And I said, here? And she goes, in the community, the medical community, we all knew and everyone wanted to know how. How does this guy continue? That's what she said. Listen, I'm just repeating what she said. So there you go. And I said, well, I really do appreciate those kind words. She said, yeah, you know, 
a lot of us really care about what we do and we care about our patients and I just appreciate it. And I was like, thank you so much. But again, here we are now. I get recognized with my breast smashed into the form of a quesadilla and I'm being recognized. You guys, it's rare. Once a week, maybe someone will recognize me. And now I'm about to have strangers place a tube in the no-fly zone, and I'm being recognized, you know. So it's, did I tell you about the the year before when I went to my OBGYN for my pap smear, and the girl who comes in the room to be the, I don't know what they call it, like not the escort, but you know what I mean, like the witness, whatever, the assistant, they're supposed to, not all doctors do, as we know, but they're supposed to have an extra doctor or an extra person in the room when they do those type of exams. And the year before, this girl was there and she had her back turned, I think probably out of respect, right? Or whatever. I don't know. But then she turns around and she's like, I recognize your voice. Oh my gosh, I listen to your podcast. And here I am with my feet in the stirrups. So apparently the only time somebody is going to recognize me is if I am in a very awkward medical situation. That's about it. I mean, you know, as I've said before, my love language is words of affirmation. The thing that's kind of tricky, if that's you, if your love language is words of affirmation, but if your significant other is not good at that, like they're not great at expressing themselves or they're not great at putting their admiration or love for you into words, I've discovered an app that has helped so many of my friends who have a partner who struggles in this way, and it's called Paired. I'm going to spell it P-A-I-R-E-D, like, you know, like you're a pair, paired.com. And it's basically a relationship app for couples. You could ask your partner to like download the app, and then you play on the app together. And it's super fun, and it's like a great way to actually connect on a deeper, more profound level with your significant other, especially if like you don't feel like you're connected or you have a difficult time like opening up to those kinds of questions. This app actually kind of triggers or prompts those questions. Like It basically gives you a series of questions that you will answer with your partner. I mean, questions like, it might ask you, I'm trying to think of some of them, like, what do you remember about the first time we met? Or what is it you find the sexiest about me? Or what is it you love the most about when we spend our time together? Like it gives you specific prompts and there's like couples games you can play on it. Like how would you describe me? Or like you can do a game around romantic gestures. Would you rather? But like it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's not you guys. I swear it could help your sex life because remember, it's really difficult to be sexually connected if you're not emotionally connected. So it is a paid app, but you can get a discount when you go to paired.com and you go forward slash Shaleen. So it's P-A-I-R-E-D.com forward slash Shaleen. When you use that link, you're going to get a seven-day free trial, plus you'll get 25% off if you sign up. It's a very affordable subscription anyways. And I really can't think of anything more important to invest in than your relationship. But this is something like super affordable that the two of you can do together. And I think it'll make you feel more connected. So if that's you, I'd love to hear what you think about it. Okay, again, if you want the discount for your subscription and seven days free, it's paired.com forward slash Shaleen. So apparently the only time somebody is going to recognize me is if I am in a very awkward medical situation. That's about it.
So now they're preparing me for my procedure. And my procedure, I don't know if this is normal for everybody, but maybe you can request it. But it's anesthesia. And there's, you know, different forms of anesthesia. And this is the kind that's most commonly used for colonoscopies. I forget what they call it, but it's just like a kind of a light twilight sleep. You're not being fully sedated. I mean, I guess you are fully sedated. It's just like you're taking a nap and it's basically administered through just an IV. So you don't have to like wear a mask or anything, no breathing tube. You don't have to be intubated, anything like that. So it's pretty minor. And in fact, I think it was a nurse that monitors it. Anyways, that is great, right? So they're getting me ready for all of this. And then, you know, they're asking me a series of questions before I go in. And they said, okay, so when did you do your last whatever cleanse I tell them and she said okay and when was the last time you had anything to eat or drink and I said well other than sips of water I haven't eaten in like however and she's like oh oh, wait when was your last sip of water and I'm like 20 minutes ago and she's like and you know kind of looks stunned and I'm like is that bad and she's like okay so you just had a couple of sips I'm like well no I've been drinking all morning And she's like, you have? And I guess it was in my prep notes. I don't know because listen, I hate to sound like Gwyneth Paltrow, like I have people that handle that for me, but literally I have people that handle that for me. Rachel, my assistant, even with all my medical stuff, this is so great. And I know it is such a luxury to have this, but like she books all my medical appointments. She handles all of the, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's where you go pick up your medications. Here's a copy and paste of the instructions. So I don't have to read through all the email. I don't open my emails. So she just had copied and pasted the instructions for me and I read through them and there was no place in them that said, don't drink any water, which is pretty surprising because you're so freaking dehydrated from the power washing that I don't know how I could have gotten through it. But I told them, I'm like, no, I've been drinking like a fiend. I was so thirsty. And they said, well, you weren't supposed to drink anything two hours prior to surgery, which doesn't make sense to me because you got to wake up and do the cleanse. So whatever. So I'm like, okay, what do we do? And they're like, well, do you want to reschedule? I said, can we do it today? I mean, I'm here in California like for this. And so... They're like, okay, they're so nice, so accommodating. It was all females. I don't know if that matters to you, but like that made it so much more comfortable. And they were just like, no, we'll squeeze you in like just in two hours. So just no drinking, no even chewing gum, nothing for the next two hours and come on back. So I came on back and you guys, it was just no big deal. It was so easy. They were just like, okay, jump up on the table. They give you the IV you're just so comfortable. It's a nice warm blanket. And they just have you roll on your side. And they're like, you're just going to take a little nap. And you're going to wake up 30 minutes from now. And then we'll tell you everything that you need to know. And so just like that, that I met the doctor, remember talking to him. And 30 minutes later, I'm awake. And the doctor comes in, says completely healthy. Everything looks fantastic. You're healthy. Congratulations. See you in 10 years. Was that easy? I didn't feel sick. It was easy to wake up from. We immediately went out to lunch because I was starving and so thirsty. And then the rest of the day, they're like, you just need to take it easy. But it was so easy. Do not put it off. Okay, so update. We are flying now from, we're in California today. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. 
tomorrow morning we fly to San Jose or tomorrow afternoon, San Jose. Then I'm doing the Mind Pump podcast. I know some of you guys have said you're really excited about that. Me too. I'm excited that I've been saying yes. It's been going great. Everything's fine. I don't have anything to worry about. It's not a problem to say yes. We went on a date last week with another couple who I'd never met before. Oh, you know what? That didn't go great. I mean, they were great. I was not great. I do apologize. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when you go to a restaurant and you have champagne and everyone at the table is having champagne, the waiter comes by and just keeps topping off your glass. Well, I can't allow that to happen anymore. I need to go all the way to the bottom because if the waiter keeps coming by to fill your glass and they just keep popping bottles, you have no idea how much champagne you've actually had. And I am not proud to say that Shalene had too much champagne. She sure did. We didn't drive, obviously. We're in Miami, so we were Ubering. But it just reminded me, like, I remember thinking, I am completely sober. And I had no idea how much I had drank. And that is how people get in trouble with drinking and driving, because you don't know, I mean, unless you're counting cocktails, right? And then you know, okay, wait, I've had three, whatever your limit is, or whatever the point at which you know you're drunk, right? But when someone is just like topping off your glass, you don't know. And when you are inebriated, you can't tell. I mean, some people can, some people can't. And I did not know. I did not know. I did not know that night. I did not know until the next morning I woke up and I just had that sinking feeling like, oh, shit. oh no, it was like coming back to me. And I'm just going to tell you, I am not proud of the fact, and I sent an apology the next morning that a person's name came up. We know that this person and they know this person. And I shared my opinion. I don't know this couple very well at all. And I shared my opinion and it was not very nice. It wasn't very kind. It was my truth. But it was also partially my opinion too, right? Like, because other people can have a different opinion of this person. I just don't happen to agree with people who do business the way this guy does business. And I should have just said that and left it at that. And maybe I, I didn't even have to say that, right? But I didn't. At least the next morning when I woke up, I'm like, oh my God, I went on and on and on about him. And I said things that were not appropriate. They're not appropriate because I don't know them. So it's not fair for me to influence their opinion of him. And it was also not a nice thing to do because maybe they're good friends with him. Why did I do that? And so then I was really like, at first I just apologized to them and I said, I have my own experience with him and I should have shut my mouth and not said anything because he's a nice person. And you know what? I might not agree with the way he does business, but he's good at what he does. And I apologize for saying anything negative. And so please accept my apologies. It was inappropriate and I really feel bad about it. And I do. Because I am not one to gossip. So I think there's a difference. There's a difference between gossiping, that was gossip, and venting to someone who you know that's all you're doing. You're venting to say like, does this sound right to you? Or what do you think of this? Or venting because you know they know you don't mean anything by it. You're just getting it off your chest. 
when you are talking to another friend, you're not trying to bring someone down. You're just kind of like connecting with the pieces of them that they probably already know you would say about them. And then there's venting to your significant other or like your very, very best friend where you're just venting. You're not trying to bring anybody down. You're not trying to build yourself up. You aren't trying to make yourself feel better. You're just getting it off your chest or connecting. But then there's gossiping where there's intent. And I just needed the next morning to spend some time reflecting on why did I respond that way? Because sometimes alcohol can be a truth serum. And that's not an excuse at all. But I really wanted to think through like, why does that person's name trigger me? And I did a lot of journaling on it, talked to a therapist about this. And I'm just sharing this so maybe it's helpful for you. I realize that when somebody says nice, kind things about this individual, and I have a very real, very different experience, and I know lots of other people have too, it's like I want to warn other people, but why do I want to warn other people? These are adults. They can figure it out themselves. Am I really warning them? Or am I just trying to make sense of my own feelings because I'm disappointed in myself because I misjudge someone and then it challenges my own beliefs about myself. It challenges my own ability to, I don't know, pick up on red flags. Of course, I always am angry with myself when I kind of endorse, like when I really fall for someone. Do you know what I mean? Like not in a romantic way, obviously, but I mean like when I'm like, oh, I'm just so enamored with this person and they seem so great and then you just feel so disappointed and you have these regrets and they're definitely intensified when it comes to matters of character. And I don't know why, but like character stuff really, really triggers me when I misjudge somebody. And I think it's because character and honesty and loyalty and just being authentic, like those things, they're hard. They're hard to be, they're hard to do. And I pride myself on being those things. And so when people say someone else is like an amazing moral person and they're loyal and they're honest and they're authentic and they're good person, and I know the opposite to be true, like the therapist I was talking to said, it's because then you're lumped in that same category and it really upsets you to be lumped in that category when you know someone doesn't deserve to be in that category. And so then it challenges your own self-perception. I thought, oh, that's pretty accurate. So I can justify it that way. But the bottom line is I don't have any business telling somebody else, like warning somebody else about someone's character. If it's my best friend or family member, of course. But two people that I just met who are perfectly capable of navigating that themselves, that's not my job. And so that's just gossip. And I always justify it or I justify it in my head sometimes by thinking, well, I'm just very annoyed when I see someone who is like a snake salesman, potentially taking the advantage or exploiting somebody else, just being untrustworthy or being dishonest. And I sometimes feel this like sense of responsibility. That's one thing, but like I'm making it sound a little bit more altruistic than really what's going on. It just, I don't know, I'm just trying to be more self-aware of it. And I do think it's appropriate, this is just my opinion, to warn someone who's a very close friend of yours, hey, I think you should know, because I would want someone to do that for me. 
but I didn't do a, hey, I think you should know. Because you can have that conversation and just leave a lot of kind of open-ended, you can read between the lines. I didn't do that. I kind of went off. And that's just not appropriate. And I felt about it the next day. I felt like I really owed them an apology. And yeah, so you live and you learn. You just try to be a better person. You know, that's, that's all you can do. It's growth. And if you ain't growing, then you're dying. Listen, I have some news that I think some of you are not going to be very happy with. And I'm going to address it on Friday in Friday's episode. It relates to the podcast, but I've given it an incredible amount of consideration. And gosh, I'm not trying to leave you with a cliffhanger, but it's going to take a lot more explanation. So I just am suggesting, please, please, please listen to Friday's episode because I'm going to explain it there in depth. But the show, I've told you that we're going to be evolving and changing. And I've made some really big, big decisions about the show. And I'm going to explain them all on Friday. So don't even hypothesize. Don't even try to guess. Just tune in on Friday, all right? A couple different ways you guys can leave feedback for me on the show. I'd love to hear from those of you who enjoy the new breaking things up on Wednesdays, this new format. But just in general, so that you know how you can leave feedback for the show, you can do so. There's a link in the show description that allows you to just record a voice message. The voice is super clear, and that's what we can then use here to play your messages. Tell us what you love about the show. Again, you just go to shaleen.com forward slash podcast. I think the link's there too. It allows you to leave a voicemail message that's super clear, or you can leave one by calling my Google number, which we'll put in the show notes as well. And just remember, if you do leave a message, we would love to play it here. And also, Obviously, leaving a review for the show is super helpful. Thank you for doing that. It's really improving the way that people find out about the show. But the absolute best way to do that is just by, if you found this interesting or funny, or you know someone who needs to get a mammogram or a colonoscopy or anything related to what we talked about today, just text them this episode and tell them why they would love to subscribe to The Shaleen Show because sharing is caring. Go schedule your mammogram, schedule your pap smear, and schedule your colonoscopy. Just do it. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.